Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Stars Daily Sports Podcast, presented by Big O Tires. It's Wednesday, February 19th, and I'm your host, Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking college basketball today and about two teams heading on different tracks. Last night, Missouri held off Ole Miss to win for the third time in four games and improved to 13-13 overall. The Tigers are playing their best basketball of the season, and we talked to beat writer Suichi Tirada about Mizzou. We also check in with Kellis Robinette, who covers Kansas State. Things aren't going as well these days for the Wildcats, who have lost five straight and are bringing up the rear in the Big 12. Is there time to turn things around for Bruce Weber's bunch? And if so, how? But first, here's Suichi Tirada on the Tigers. Suichi, uh, last night's game uh, where the Tigers outlasted Ole Miss is the kind of game you just kind of want to talk about. And, <laughs> and that is why you and I are talking, because just a lot of good things happened for Mizzou, not only last night, but in the last couple of weeks. But let's, let's start with the win over, over Ole Miss. I think 71-68 was the final. And one thing that strikes me is the Tigers did a lot of things right coming down the stretch. And I, you know, I've been watching Mizzou all year. I kept waiting for, okay, you know, that, uh, this shot's going to miss. There, here, here comes the turnover. I just to you know, program myself to think something bad is going to happen, but it did not happen to Missouri last night, and it doesn't seem to have happened much in the last few weeks. Yeah, they've been playing really well the past few weeks. I think the, I think the big thing that you'll look at out of the Mississippi game is just that they really put the ball in Xavier Pinson's hands, and a lot of people don't notice, but it's Xavier with the X at the beginning of his name. And he, I mean, he's just playing lights up ball recently. I mean, when he scored 32 points and just the way he did it, and he did it in so many different ways. He was perfect from three, four for four. He was getting to the basket. He was making all these shots. You know, he was great from the free throw line. You know, he hit six straight within the last minute of the game to really ice that game, put Mississippi to bed. And, and just the way they're playing, I mean, and this Missouri's worse. They're playing these blowouts, and I was there for all of these games. I watched Virginia loss, South Carolina loss, Texas A&M loss on the road. They're all very unsightly. You don't really want to watch that kind of basketball. They're getting blown out. No one's enjoying this. The players, the fans, I'm not enjoying it, especially when you travel to these faraway games and you just want that game. No, no one enjoys that, but... Just the way Missouri has played, you know, in that Mississippi game, the last four games, even that LSU game, they're playing exciting basketball. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, Pinson and Drew Smith and all those guys. But it, it seems like they're finally finding some continuity in the offense. I mean, it, it's it's still kind of a slot to watch at times, but the ball, you know, the ball is finding the bottom of the net. And I think that goes a long way just to give some fans a little confidence, especially after that January where you're just losing games left and right. You know, in all these inexplicable ways. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a positive trend. I think that's why we're talking. Um, Chiefs Super Bowl obviously being overhelped. But, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch these past four games, which I think goes a long way. You know, you, you talk about you know, the ball finding the, the basket. That happens when offense runs more efficiently. and That seems to be happening for the Tigers. Um, Xavier Pinson is a, a reason for that. Why is he – assumed control of, of this team. I mean, it seems to me that that's the case. Um, why, why is this just happening in the last uh, few weeks? Yeah, and Congo Martin, he, he kind of admitted it last uh, last night on Tuesday that realistically, Pinson doesn't get these looks if Mark Smith doesn't go down because the thing is with Pinson was that he was coming off the bench and he only started one game before this recent stretch. 
because Conzo Morgan liked Xavier Pinson off the bench, just because of what he brings, a change of pace, especially compared to Drew Smith. But now we're seeing Pinson really with the ball, and he, he he's just one of those guys where his athleticism, we just let it shine, and you just kind of get out of his way, honestly. And I think a lot of the underrated aspect of this run for Pinson is really having Drew Smith off the ball. I mean, Drew, I think, is Mizzou's most important player. He averages the most minutes, points, assists, you know, steals, all, all of these metrics that really point to it. But Drew, I think, just to build his space to floor, and he's a very smart, intelligent player. And so I asked him about this last night. I'm like, hey, how do you think you fit off the ball with Xavier? And he's like, you know, I just try to get out of his way. And I think that's a very underrated part of his game, just, just the savviness, the intelligence. And so I, I think that's a little bit. But, I mean, when when you are as confident and playing as well as Xavier Pinson and the threes are falling and you're getting able to get to the basket, that that's just fun basketball. And, and the thing is, too, I think this is very sustainable basketball, as we've seen in the last four games, because consistency was always Mizzou's issue. Because they would, you know, they would – you know, blow out Florida, but that was because they were making every three left and right. And yeah, sure, you know, in the, in the LSU's Auburn game, they, they shot pretty well from three, but the way Pinson is able to get to the basket and the way Mizzou is playing offense, they're getting, they're driving the ball a little more. Maybe when looks aren't there, you know, Javon Pickett or Drew, um, they're, they're dropping it off to, you know, Reed Nico or Parker Brown or Mitchell Smith. And so just, just the way of not relying solely on the three ball and actually you know, creating offense off the dribble, I think I think makes you feel a little bit more confident with this team in, in terms of just being able to replicate that offense and, and not just jack up a lot of three-pointers and they just don't go in. Um, we saw a little bit of that against Mississippi, but I think they went away from it and they, they just put the ball in Pinson's hand and, and you know, Conzo Martin just said, go do your thing. And that obviously was, was led to great results on uh, Tuesday night. You made a really good point. I, I thought, uh, well, you made several, but one in particular, uh, you know, the Florida win. You go back to the win over Florida, and that was like, okay, these are the Tigers that we saw against Temple and Illinois a little bit, you know, a little bit a few weeks earlier. But they followed the Florida win with one of their more dreadful games of the year, you know, at Mississippi State, and that starts mm-hmm. a four-game losing streak. And then, and then they have this remarkable comeback victory against Georgia, down 20, and win that game, then they go on the road mm-hmm. and lay an egg at South Carolina and play poorly at you know Texas A and M. But but finally, with the win over Arkansas, when they held serve at home, the overtime win against uh, against the Razorbacks, that seems to have started a you know this this trend that they're on right now. And I look back now at the LSU game and I'm kind of kind of ticked off about it. You know that was that was a <laughs> victory opportunity. Um, but I'll tell you what, in, in, in uh, credit. Conzo Martin and this team that they didn't let that LSU loss uh, affect them. They turned around and beat Auburn, and now have won two in a row with the old Miss victory, two in a row for the first time since uh, conference play has started. So yep. positive trends for the Tigers for sure. And what is it? Is it five games left in the regular season? Am I, am I counting yep. that right? Yep, five games, yep. And none of them, correct me if I'm wrong, are any of them against teams that would be in the NCAA tournament if the – if the if the field was picked today, yeah, I mean, and I tweeted this back before the Mississippi game. I mean, these last few games are very winnable. Um, the old, the best teams are playing are Mississippi State and Bama. And the only team with a winning conference record right now is Mississippi State, I believe. Um, and and both those games are home, and you already played them, so there's a little bit of a revenge factor in it. There's a little bit of familiarity on it, especially Mississippi State. I mean, you mentioned that that Mississippi State game. 
I was shocked just because you're coming off that great Florida one and they just look awful. I mean, you're down 10 to start. Next thing you know, you're down 20, you know, midway through the first half. And you're just, you, you just would kind of watch that team and you, you wonder what just happened. But looking at the schedule, I mean, it's not crazy to think that Missouri finishes strong. I mean, especially against the slated teams. They already beat Arkansas. Arkansas is just, you know, they're on the downtrend. They had a great non-con, but they're 4-9 in the SEC. Um, obviously, you know, historically, they these two teams tend to split. But you look at Arkansas, you look at Vanderbilt, you look at Mississippi, those are the remaining road games. If you come out 2-1 and one out of that, which is very doable, um, and you and you take care of things at home, I mean, you, you, NIT is, is looking like it's back on the table. I'm not going to say this team, you know, has a – has a run to the NCAA tournament, you know, obviously, you know, minor miracles happen, but that's a little bit get, getting ahead of ourselves. But the big thing for me is that they need to show that they can win on the road. They haven't won a road SEC game. They won an eight on the season in road games. I mean, the only road game they won was that Temple game, you know, all the way back in early December in the middle, you know, the football coaching search. So just putting things into perspective that, you know, they haven't won a road game since Eli Drinkwitz has been the head coach. So that, that's the biggest thing for me. Like you, these next two road games at Arkansas at Vanderbilt, if you can come away with even a win, I think that that really sets you up well, uh, just because of their struggles on it. And, the, and these are two teams, two beatable teams that that you, that you are able to do that with. So I'm very curious to see what how the next week goes, just because if they can build off that momentum, you know, if you if you finish strong here, I mean, you you look at next year where they bring back pretty much every contributor besides Reed Nico and, and you know Jeremiah Tillman, Michael Pearl might not, nobody knows yet, but Finishing strong here and then a, a couple wins in the SEC tournament in Nashville just, I think, goes a long way just for the future of this program. Also good to see some nice crowds at uh, at Missouri. They had the 12,000-plus for for Auburn on, on Saturday. And I thought last night's crowd, I, I don't know what it was called, but it was it was loud and seemed to, you know, fans seemed to be into it. And they had a, you know, just had a, you know, a great finish uh, to, um, you know, to watch. Well, let me ask you, did you think uh, – Tyrese three was put in when he threw it up at the end. <laughs> I think I, I I didn't think so just because you know I'm an optimist I guess in the sense that <laughs> you know you know just don't assume I guess uh, I think a lot of Mizzou fans thought that was going in but obviously it didn't um, it looked kind of floppy by Drew when he fell on the three um, and I think that kind of lends itself into the whole it was going in but at the end of the day I mean the best it could have done was tie it so I think that made you feel a little bit better so. And right, obviously, Mizzou right. came out with the win. So, and then just the way that Mizzou was hitting free throws, too, I think you felt a little bit more confident. Even if it did go in, that they could have maybe gotten a foul with the last few seconds of the inning. Right. Hey, so what has gotten into Parker Brown? <laughs> yeah, he played 24. He, so I looked it up last night, and I wrote this story um, about Parker Brown. He played a career-high 24 minutes, scored a career-high six points, grabbed his career-high seven rebounds, blocked a career-high four four shots. So he had easily his best game of the season. Um, I think it was a little bit of matchup stuff. I mean, the thing with Parker Brown is that he, he uh, he's not undersized, but I don't think he has enough, enough muscles to go up against maybe some of the bruisers of the SEC forwards. Um, we're talking like the Nick Richards and the Reggie Perrys of the world. And I, and I think it's just a big matchup thing. I think Conzo saw something out of Mississippi that, you know, led him to think that Parker could play a little bit more. And Parker's had kind of this odd season where he was playing a little bit earlier this year. And I remember that Walford game when I forgot the exact number, but, you know, Conzo Martin rarely goes to the short bench when he has, you know, fully healthy team. And 
I think it was eight or nine players that, who saw the court consistently against Walford, and Parker Brown was one of them. And I think Reed and Mitchell both sat the entire game. So I, I thought going forward, Parker was going to see a lot more minutes just because, I mean, it was so early in the non-con, you know, Conza was still playing around with his rotations, and you see Parker Brown, you know, this redshirt freshman former walk-on come out and play, and you're thinking, oh, you know, maybe he's going to, you know, kind of be like his KU counterpart, play it up a little more minutes, and, you know, score a little more points. But obviously he had a great game yesterday. I mean, I think he's a great spark plug. Sophie Cunningham tweeted, I don't know if you saw this, but, but Sophie Cunningham tweeted in support of Parker. So I think that, I think he, he might have seen that and tried to give a little bit more uh, effort against Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean, it was great to see. Um, you know, I, I think it would be a little more fun if Parker got a little more minutes and the Brown Brothers go at it at uh, Border War next year in uh, Sprint Center. Yeah, so yeah. Hopefully yep. uh, that's, that's, that's kind of a preview of things to come. Well, if Sophie Cunningham has tweeted it, then I suspect we will absolutely see more minutes from, uh, you know, from for for, uh, for Parker Brown. It's been fun. It's funny. Is uh, what he had the, the the technical for hanging on the rim and the, for the dunk uh, against Auburn, and then he got the offensive foul uh, for the uh, for the old Miss. And I saw where the official went to Conzo uh, and just said, you know, my, my bad. Should should have let that one stand. But either way, both were pretty spectacular, and he's been he's been fun to watch. So. All right, Suiji, great catching up and uh, great talking to you. When we come back, we will uh, talk to Kellis Robinette about the Kansas State Wildcats. And spoiler alert, not as optimistic these days in Kansas State as it is at Mizzou. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners. Unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. So bad luck. Is that what it is, Kellis? Is that what we're going with? Uh, bad luck for the Wildcats. Is what, that's why they're 9-16 they're, they're and 16 overall. And last place, looking at a possible first-to-worst scenario for, for K-State. I thought such a recent story on Fortune was interesting. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, this team right now, you've heard the old saying, uh, better be lucky than good. Well, this team is neither lucky nor good, and that's pretty much a good explanation as why they've uh, fallen on the hard times they have. Yeah, still not to 10 wins, 2-9 in the conference, um, and the way Oklahoma State is playing right now, it, it might be hard for them to uh, escape that number 10 seed at the NCAA tournament. I uh, clearly, obviously, don't uh, think that bad luck has uh, all that much to do with things right now. Certainly, it had a little bit to do with the TCU game because a team that doesn't make many threes can hit 15 against K-State. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you look at what Iowa State did to, to Kansas yesterday and Allen Fieldhouse. So they were 9 of a 1 from 3 in the first half, and you see that stat line. And go, oh, my goodness, nobody's beating Iowa State in that kind of game, but Kansas was actually winning by 10 at halftime. So those are certainly things you can overcome, and like Bruce Weber said, you make your own luck. And that's one thing Kansas State has not been doing much of lately. I like a point that you made um, as, as the Wildcats head to 
Texas Tech, where they're going to meet the Raiders tonight at uh, um, in Lubbock, playing you know hard defense throughout the shot clock. You know they 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 played decent defense this year, but there have been times where um, they seem to allow an opponent to you know basically have a look. Maybe it's deep. Maybe it's you know an unguarded deep shot. But they but in the last few seconds of a possession opponents have been able to convert there and if they just I don't know keep it up for another five seconds or so maybe maybe some of the fortune will change yeah definitely and if you go back and look at Kansas State's recent games um, you know TCU had a lot of success doing that against them hitting uh, shot clock beaters from the outside against them but they're not the only team that's done it Iowa State did it Texas did it Um, TCU did it the first time they played them um, and it just kind of seems like for whatever reason, when that shot gets down to like two seconds, one second, um, yeah, they're forcing the other team to settle for a, sh- a shot that isn't always going to go in, but they don't have a guy out there in his face. Yeah, it's a deep, deep shot, but it's uncontested a lot of times. And there was even one possession against TCU where that happened and they, they got him down to, to one second on the shot clock. They take a three, they miss and, uh, get the offensive rebound, same thing happens again. They get them all the way down to one second, get another good look at it. Um, yeah, it's uh, right, right now the way things are going for Kansas State, it's not good enough to play 28 good seconds of defense. For them right now, they got to play 30, and that's, uh, I guess, the challenge moving forward. And I've had it as well as offense. <laughs> right, as well as fall, which I thought they did a pretty good job in the flurry against, flurry against ECU. I know that Xavier Sneed knocked down a few jumpers in a row to – to give the Wildcats a, a, a lead with what about six, seven minutes to go, and uh, but they couldn't prevent the Horn Frogs from from scoring, and it was TCU that ended up winning and ending their seven game or six game losing streak while extending K State's losing streak. But I, I, I have found it interesting over the last couple of weeks that Bruce Weber has had to be the you know uh, come out with an edge, you know, a little bit uh, maybe a little more vocal in practice. Uh, with these guys, and and now we're looking at tinkering the the starting lineup for the game at Texas Tech. Tell me what what might look different tonight. I think this is a game where they're going to go with uh, two point guards and go David Sloan and Cartier Jada in the backcourt. It's been musical chairs at the guard position lately. Um, One game they want to start Dijuan Gordon and David Sloan. One game they want to start Dijuan Gordon and Cartier Jada. When Mike McGurl was healthy before he got hurt, it was, was Cartier and Mike in every game. Uh, they haven't quite settled on exactly the, the best lineup. And given that they've lost five in a row, I think they were kind of ready just to say, well, what the heck? We're underdogs at Texas Tech. What have we got to lose? Might as well put uh, our most versatile lineup out there that can score a little bit more than, than maybe we have in the last couple of games. So that's what I'm expecting them to do. I, I think they'll go with two ball handlers in the game. They've just been uh, it's just been so hard for them lately to get off the good starts, and I mean even decent starts. Uh, if you go back and look at what they did at, at, in Ames against Iowa State, they were down 21 in the first half. They fell impossibly behind Baylor at home. They were nine to two against TCU. Um, uh, really, I, I think they take being down just 10 to five in this game if they could find some <laughs> way to make that happen. You know, it's a shame they didn't. They just didn't make hay against a part of the schedule that uh, would have allowed them to seemingly, with some of the opponents they played. They they've just run through a list of teams that are not going to be in the NCAA tournament as at large selections. They would have to all win 
all of them would have to win the conference tournament to be in the NCAA with the Cyclones, Longhorns, TCU. TCU, I, I still on the outside looking in. And but in, in Texas Tech, that that's a team that's firmly in the NCAA field right now. The the arena in Lubbock, United Supermarkets Arena, tough place to play. And uh, look, Texas Tech national runner up last season, so um, they, they've got the, they've got the pedigree now. So tough tough task for the Wildcats tonight. What is the you know you're with this team all the time, Kellis. What what the mood? Are they you know how 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 down is this team? Just you know, are they broken spiritually? I mean, do they do they um, is it just a um, you know tough to, tough for them to get up for these games? You know, the effort has actually still been there, so I will give uh, Bruce Weber and the coaching staff some credit in that regard. It's not like they've come out and just laid down in these games. Um, but there's definitely some frustration, and you can see it with, with Bruce most of all. seems like uh, anytime the other team hits a three-pointer against him, he just reacts like it's unfair because his team can't make him. And it happens against him uh, more often than he likes, so it's uh, you, you can tell it wearing on him a little bit. I, all the buttons he normally pushes start aren't seem to work seem to be working this year. The, the players have actually been pretty resilient, um, especially the younger guys like Montavious Murphy and uh, Dejuan Gordon. You can tell they still they still want to make the most of their freshman year, and I think they'll be able to go into Texas Tech and and play with the kind of energy you would want to win. But it's just the uh, the execution that's been lacking and. Yeah, the the longer this goes on, the the harder it might be to get up for some of these games. Maybe at some point, effort won't be right there where you wanted it because, because like you said, this uh, this last three games that they played, this was where they were supposed to. If they were going to turn things around, this is where it was going to happen because they had Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and TCU back to back to back, three of their most winnable games. Now you got at Texas Tech and uh, at Baylor coming up, which are not two of the more winnable games. So they're. Uh, yeah, that'll be a big challenge moving forward. Is can this team play with ideal effort every single game, regardless of record? Kellis Robinette covers Kansas State for the Star and the Wichita Eagles. Safe travels, Kellis. All right, thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks for listening, and a shout out to everyone who had a hand in putting together today's show. That would be Randy Mason, Derek Donovan, Savannah Smith, Beth Welsh, Chris Fickett, Suichi Tarada, and Kellis Robinette. Links to stories we discuss can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. We'll be back on Thursday for another episode of Sports Beat KC, where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.